I said his promise still stands. Regardless of what you've heard, his promise still stands. Regardless of what you've been told, his promise still stands. Regardless of how you feel about it, his promise still stands. Amen, amen, amen. Before we pray, go ahead and get your Bibles. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 22 through 23. Hebrews 10, 22 through 23. We're going to go ahead and pray. Expecting God to speak to somebody today. Amen. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you now in the name of Jesus. Lord God, we thank you for this time. We thank you, Lord God, for giving us an opportunity to speak your word. Father, we ask that you speak to us today. Help us, Lord God. Lord, many of us are going through, many of us need you. For, we all need you, Lord God. And so, Lord, we ask that you would open up our hearts and our minds, our spirits to receive what you have for us today, Lord God. Lord, I pray that you use me today to speak to your people, Lord God. Speak through me that someone might hear a word from you today that would help them, Lord God, in whatever they are going through right now. But ultimately, Lord God, that they might turn around and give you glory. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. We're going to get right into it. Hebrews chapter 10. Verses 22 through 23. And it reads, Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. His promise still stands. You may have your seats. For those of us who are Christ followers, I, I want to take you back. Take you back to the time that you confessed Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Perhaps something major happened in your life which prompted you to uh, make the decision to follow Christ. Or maybe you just felt something within you, uh, inside, that, you, that caused you to feel that you needed to give your life to Christ. Regardless of the reason or the circumstances, you profess Christ as your Savior. Now, as time has gone on in your walk, you've grown in your faith. Prayers that you've prayed have been answered which served to strengthen your faith. Trials came your way, and with God's help, uh, you were able to kind of navigate through and come out fairly well on the other side. You, you talk about God here and there with your family and friends um, as you became a little bolder in Christ. You encourage others to follow Christ, and your own walk with Christ seems to be unwavering and you, and you seem comfortable. 
But what do you do when tragedy strikes? What happens when a, when a major life event hits you so hard that you, you feel it in your core? How do you respond when your faith is shaken? On November 26, 2018, I received a phone call that, that shook me. I'd been um, having some medical issues and going through some tests, and uh, I was waiting on some results of a biopsy. And, and the doctor on the other end of the line said to me that I had been diagnosed with prostate cancer. Now, I know people who have cancer right now. I even know some men who have and have had prostate cancer. I've, I've prayed with them. I've encouraged them. I've talked to them in their situations. So, so I'm no stranger to cancer. But how many of you know that it's one thing to pray with and for someone who is going through something, but it's a whole different thing when it's you who have to go through that thing. It was something about hearing that doctor say that word, and it was pertaining to me. To me, somebody who's never had a medical, major medical issue in his life, the, and the, the only surgery experience I've had was getting a, getting a knee scoped. So to find out that my, my life and my lifestyle was about to drastically change hit me pretty hard. My faith was shaken. There might be somebody here today and you're going through a situation right now. Something has happened to you and it has caused your faith to be shaken. You're questioning God. Doubt is creeping in. And the enemy is whispering in your ear saying, you see, this, this Christian thing ain't going to work for you. You need to go ahead and start doing what you know to do. Those of us who are Christ followers know that that's not what needs to happen. But what do you do when your faith is shaken? To answer that question, I want to share four things I believe God has shared with me that would help us uh, to get through a time of shaken faith. Amen? Amen? The first thing that I believe that God wants us to do is to trust him. Trust God. The definition of trust is the assured reliance on the character, ability, strength, or truth of someone or something. To have confidence in someone's track record. There's a story of Job in the Bible, and many of us know the story. Job was a, a rich man. Job was a man who had wealth. He had a lot of servants. He had a lot of cattle. Had a big family, ten, three, uh, ten children, three daughters and seven sons. And there's an account in the first chapter of Job where Satan is talking to God. And 
not to go through all of it, but the bottom line was God gave Satan permission to test Job to see if Job would curse him to his faith, to his face if God had taken the hedge of protection away from Job. And so God gave him permission to do just that. And so Satan took his family. Satan took all of his possessions. And at some point, finally, Satan began to mess with his health. So Job was left poor. Job was left sick. And Job was left alone. Tragedy had hit hit Job's house. But in the midst of all of that pain, and in the midst of all of that struggle, in the midst of all of the trial that Job was going through, Job was able to, to still say in 13th chapter of Job, he said, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 through 6, one of my favorite passages of scripture. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not unto your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your path. In order to trust God like that, you have to know God. When I was told that, the surger- that surgery was recommended for my prostate cancer, I-, I met with the surgeon, and I asked him some questions. I said, how many of these surgeries have you performed? What's your success rate? How many of these surgeries did you have to go back and cut on people again because it didn't work the first time? Need to know these things. Then I found out that it was robotic surgery, which meant that the surgeon himself wouldn't be touching me physically. He would be sitting at a screen with some joysticks like he's playing a video game or something. And he would be working the arms of a robot that would be doing the physical touching of my body. Now, y'all know that took a whole lot of faith. Whole lot of faith. But I relied on his ability, and I relied on his track record. How many of you know God has ability? Is he able? How many of you know God has a track record? The saints of old says that he's a lawyer who's never lost a case. Amen? So you got to get to know God. And the way that we get to know God is by reading his word. Amen? We get to know God by spending time with him in prayer. And we get to know God by spending time with and fellowshipping with his people. As you do these things, you learn more about him and his character and what he's done for others. So we trust God during times of shaken faith. The next thing we do is that we, we thank God. First Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18 says, Always be joyful. Never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Thank God. Now, that might sound strange to you. 
You may be saying, thank God. I'm going through the worst, worst, roughest time in my life, and you're telling me to thank God? That doesn't make sense, preacher. But if you pay attention to the scripture, it says that we are to be thankful in all circumstances. In all circumstances. There are circumstances and situations that we are not going to be able to control in our lives. And as a matter of fact, Jesus said in John 16 and 33 that in the world, we will have tribulation. But to be of good cheer, because he has overcome the world. So you may be asking, what are you to be thankful for when you're in a shaken faith state? The first thing you should be thankful for is your family. Many of us have family we can rely on during times of struggle and hardship. In my situation, um, my mama flew up from Florida and hung out with me for two weeks after the surgery. And, and when they, they told me that after the surgery, the very next day, I needed to start walking and walking at least a mile each day. So my mama was my walking partner. Every morning, we would get up for two weeks, and she'd go walking with me and so I can get my mile in. She was my walking partner. My, my kids, my son and my daughter, they were, they were amazing. My, my bonus daughter. She was off the chain. And in my grandkids, they, they also told me that I needed to drink water. Like, and I was, I'm not a big water drinker, so I had to force myself. And my grandson would always check in on, Pop Pop, you drinking your water? <laughs> Got sick of that water. <laughs> but he was, he was right there on the job. That was his job, to make sure I was drinking my water. And, and my wife. That woman God gave me. So we all have family. We also have friends. We have friends we can count on to be there during difficult times. And those of you who are not Christ followers, the, the cool thing about being in the body of Christ is when you, when you join the body of Christ, you inherit these people. And these people become friends and, and they become family. And many times their relationships and friendships that are formed are, are a lot, many times stronger than blood relative relationships. Amen? And I can attest to the fact that, that now we're tremendous in, in that regard. All of the phone calls and text messages and food, man, it's, it's been wonderful. And even folks who I've been connected to from other parts of the country. So f family, friends, and then we thank God for our faith. We thank God for our faith. Now, it may be shaken, but we still got faith. Amen? Jesus said that if you have faith the size of what? A mustard seed. You can tell the mountain to move and it'll move. 
In chapter four of Pastor Keith's faith manual series, he talked about four types of faith. Y'all remember what they were? Uh-huh, see? It was a word of faith, measure of faith, fruit of faith, and the gift of faith. Now, the two types I want to focus on are the word of faith and the fruit of faith. Pastor said the definition for the word of faith is faith that comes by hearing God's word and manifested by the spoken words of faith. And then the fruit of faith is a character trait of the Holy Spirit that is nurtured within, Christ, within us under adverse circumstances so they can develop complete confidence, assurance, and reliance upon God and his word. So in my situation, I got a word of faith and one of my favorite scriptures, another one of my favorite scriptures is Philippians 4:19, which says, "And my God shall supply all your need according to His riches and glory." And so I attach my, my fruit of faith, I exercise my fruit of faith to hold on to that word of faith to help me get through my situation. So as God shows himself faithful during adverse circumstances, my fruit of faith is strengthened, and so I'll be much more inclined to trust God the next time a trial comes. I said the next time, because you're going to have a next time. Amen? So we trust God, we thank God, and then the next thing we need to do when we're going, when we have shaken faith is we need to watch our thoughts. Watch our thoughts. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 8 says, And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. When a, when a hard life decision comes in our lives, oftentimes we automatically assume the worst. We get that doctor report, we get that phone call saying you have such and such, and we start writing our obituary. You know, Lord, what's going to happen to my family? What, and when I'm gone, what about this and what about that? So we, we start thinking about all kind of negative stuff when we get that kind of information. I read this article on this um, website called Mind Food, and there's this article, and according to science, it says recalling negative experiences or stressful situations is easier to do in greater detail because of the way those experiences affect us. There was a, a study done at the Harvard, Harvard Business School and the findings pointed to the ability for a single negative setback to have double the effect of a positive experience right. in terms of memory recall. Right. So we'll easily think, uh, recall a negative event before we'll recall a positive event. That's what the science says. Psychologist in Flor at Florida State Said it, said it this way, he said, the ability to recall ne negative experiences over more positive ones 
come down to our hard wiring. Y'all remember Pastor's uh, sermon on, on the brain? And he was talking about that. Basically, our brains create stronger memories when something negatively affects us. And those memories are kept in a more accessible part of our brain. So we, we gravitate to it easier, easier when it's a negative event that happens to us. So to combat that, the scripture tells us to think on positive things. Think about how God has blessed you in the past, how, is, how he has come through in uh, other areas of your life. Pastor Keith preached a message years ago called Change Your Stinking Thinking. And in it, he talked about meditating on God's word. He talked about finding a scripture that speaks to your situation and just rehearsing that word over and over in your mind, focusing on that word. Amen. Amen. And so when we do that, that helps us to not think on the negative things. So during our shaken faith state, we trust God. We uh, thank God. We watch our thoughts. And then once we have gotten through all of that and God has gotten us out on the other side. God wants us to tell our story. Amen. Tell our story. Revelation chapter 12, verse 10 through 11. Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come. For the accuser of the brethren who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down. And they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. In the, in the book of John, the ninth chapter of John, when you get a chance, read that whole chapter. There's an account of the disciples walking with Jesus and they encounter a blind man. One of the disciples asked Jesus, was the man blind because of his sin or his parents' sin? Jesus said, neither this man nor his parents sinned. But this happened so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. And when I read that, I thought about it. Could it be that I'm going through what I'm going through, not for me, but because of somebody else? How you go through a trial can be a testimony to somebody else who knows your situation. They know all hell is breaking loose in your life, but you are walking in the peace of God and they don't understand it. They're baffled that you can still be as peaceful as you are knowing what you're going through, but that's the opportunity for you then to give God glory. So in that story of chapter 9 of John, Jesus heals this blind man. And the neighbors of that man see him, and they're amazed that he can now see. And so they're talking amongst themselves, is it him? Is it really him? You know, and he said, yeah, it was me. It's me. I can see. And so they take him to the religious folk of that time, the the Pharisees, and, and the Pharisees are asking him all these questions. They want to know, how did this happen? So he explained it to them. This is what Jesus did for me, blah, blah, blah. They still ain't feeling it, so they go call for his parents to come. Is this your son? Was he born blind? And why is it that he can now see? 
So the parents are answering the question, yes, that's our son. Yes, he was born blind. But how he now sees, we don't know. He grown, ask him. That, that in your Bible, that's what it said. He, ask him. He grown. He asked him. So they still talking to him, asking him about it. Finally, they say to him after back and forth, they say, look, give God glory. But that man, Jesus, he's a sinner. The man who was healed said, look, I don't know about all that, whether he is a sinner or not. But what I do know is I was blind, but now I see. So whatever y'all talking about going on, I don't know. He did this for me. He told his story. Amen? The reason that we should tell our story is we, we never know what someone else might be going through that could be similar to what we're going through. You sharing what God has done for you could very well save somebody else's life. Other benefits of sharing your story is that it builds your faith. Rehearsing your story, telling folks what God has done for you, builds your faith. You, gr you grow stronger in him. It's a reminder of all that God has done for us already. It brings confidence in his word. And most importantly, it brings glory to God. Many of you know I, I grew up in Florida, and my mama is a huge fisherman, fisher person, fisher. She loves to fish. And one night, teenager, we, we went fishing um, out on the bridge, and uh, we, you could walk out on the bridge and fish from the bridge, so a bunch of people would go out there and fish. And... Um, we started fishing, and man, we were catching a whole bunch of fish. I mean, we had about 20, 25 fish. We were just fishing. My mama was planning the next morning, yo, yeah, we're going to have fish and grits. We're going to do, well, she was already cooking in her mind about what we were going to be doing. And so I caught a fish. I threw a reel out, hit, caught one. AJ looking at me like, he don't know how he's not a fish. I caught a fish, and I brought him in up on the bridge. And the fish is on the floor of the bridge. And so we, don't, we didn't have like a cooler to keep the fish in. So we have these fish stringers. And so you catch a fish, you string it up, you know, put it on the string. And so to keep the fish fresh, we tied the string on the rail of the bridge so that the fish would still be in the water. So I catch a fish and I go to the stringer to untie the string and so I get it, I gripped it in this hand, and I went to get the fish that I had just caught. So just as I'm, so I'm gripping this hand, the string of fish, just as I reach over to get the fish that I caught, it jumped, and I flinched. <laughs> and I lost my grip on the string of fish. That fit, all those fish went floating out into the river. Boy, my mama looked at me. And, and y'all mothers, y'all are good at this. There were other people around on the bridge, so she couldn't really say what she... She wasn't saved at that time. 
But boy, she started, y'all know how y'all talk through your teeth. She said, I ought to throw your blankety blank. Boy, my mama was hot. We got our real, we throwing our reels, trying to hook the, the string, they pull them back. Somebody, whoever found that, that's, boy, they found some fish that day, boy. My mama was mad. Ooh, Lord. If, I need, I think to this day is why I don't go fishing now, because I was, I was traumatized. I was traumatized. Listen, you might be going through a major battle in your life right now, but I want to encourage you, don't lose your grip. Your marriage may be suffering right now. Unexpectedly, you have been hit, and I'm encouraging you, don't lose your grip. Your children might be living in a way that you didn't train them to live, and as a matter of fact, they're living totally opposite of the way you have trained them to live, but I'm encouraging you to don't lose your grip. Your health, you may have gotten a phone call from those doctors that said you got this, this, or that. I am telling you, don't lose your grip. Be persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things to come shall separate you from the love of God, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall separate you from the love of God. It won't cause you to lose your grip. Brothers and sisters, hold fast to your profession of faith, and I encourage you, don't lose your grip. God bless you.